On this week's show, we're going to talk about how to talk with your team about personal finance and how that can build a stronger relationship and a bond between you and your people. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started, I just want to let you non-EGI members know about a great opportunity to start growing your business. Doesn't matter if you're looking to have our, you know, your first million dollars or if you're a larger company going at, you know, 10 plus million. If you have the proven roadmaps to succeed, you're going to get there a heck of a lot faster with our help. I can't imagine what I could have done at my first company if I had access to the tools and resources that the contractor university provides. I mean, you can sit there and beat your head against the wall or you can learn from the top minds in the industry and save all those headaches. If you're interested in jumpstarting your business and growing it the right way, click the join button at the top of this page and you can get 30 days of training free for you and your team at no charge whatsoever. Now last week we talked about you know, talking with your techs about where all the money goes in your company. We do this so that they can better understand why it's so important to collect the money on every service call rather than to just invoice and wait for the money to come in, hopefully, right? If you haven't watched that episode, make sure you go back and check it out uh, because it really expands upon that conversation this week. Now, when you explain where the money goes, employees might bring up the question of what you're making. You've got to be ready for that question, right? Let's go back to James Leitner. He's going to talk to you about how to navigate that important question. Hi, I'm James Leitner with EGAA. Hopefully by now you have seen our $100 bill exercise for your employees, your technicians. That is probably the most important seminar you can give at your company because it's going to explain in graphical, believable, tangible ways that you get rid of $100 in revenue and sales. So it's really important that you go through that exercise with your coworkers. When you get to the Q&A part of the $100 bill exercise, someone might ask you, hey, I saw you cut up uh, the office wages. Was your wage in there? And you might be asked, how much do you get paid? For many owners, this is a very awkward question to answer because owners are thinking, I don't want anybody to know how much I get paid. But I would argue, unless you're really getting paid a ton of money and you don't work very hard, very much at all, you probably should share your income with them. So again, if you make $250,000 a year and you work about 18 hours a week, then you probably ought to keep that a secret. But if you're like most contractors, you are getting paid about as much as your average service technician. So let's say, for example, that you could get $25 an hour anywhere, anywhere, because you're a good technician. I could argue that you get a lot more, but let's say $25. So you have $25 an hour for 40 hours a week, and then you have, say, oh, 30 hours of overtime, and that would be $37.50 an hour. That works out to be $110,500 a year. So if you make $110,000 a year, proudly tell them, I make $110,000 a year. And they might be impressed at first, but most of them, and trust me, I've done this exercise 
hundreds of times, if not close to 100 times, with companies like yours, they probably are going to be unimpressed. They're going to think you make way more than that. So if you tell them 110,000, none of them are going to jump up and say, I knew it, you're filthy, stinking rich. They probably think you make a lot more than that. Keep in mind, they're used to hearing about corporate America ripping everybody off. So they're not going to be thoroughly impressed with 110,500 bucks a year. But I want you to break it down for them. I want you to say, if I were an hourly employee, that would be like, like working 40 hours a week at 25 an hour and another 35 hours a week at 37.50, which is time and a half. Now, as an owner, I am not required to get paid time and a half. There's no law saying owners have to get time and a half. In fact, there's no law saying owners have to make minimum wage. And I can promise you, if you weren't here in the beginning days, there used to be a day way back when where I didn't even make minimum wage. Many weeks I work for free. So right now, I'm trying to make up for all those paychecks that I never got or paychecks that were well below what I would have made working for somebody else. Now, do you find or do you think your coworkers will find 30 hours of overtime unbelievable? Are you working 70 hours a week, 50, 60 hours a week? Well, you decide whatever the math is. You come up with it. But before you sell yourself short, I want to talk to you about your overtime. Do you remember last Christmas? You were at the mall. You were walking through the mall with your little girl, your daughter, or your granddaughter, or son. And they were rambling on about their day at preschool. And you didn't hear a thing. And you looked down and said, oh, that's nice. And they kind of looked at you like, Dad, Grandpa, did you even hear what I was saying? You were at work. You were at work. You think about all the times that you have been at work and missed out on wonderful dad time or granddad time. But don't forget about all the thought that goes into your business, all the stress, the hair you've probably lost or turned gray. You were at work, and that's where owners sell themselves short, and that's where your coworkers sell you short. So this is a good opportunity for you to explain to them how it was in the old days when you didn't get a check or you barely got paid, or you had to borrow from your mother-in-law, or you had to leverage the old station wagon. Tell those stories. Because that's coming with the truth of what you make now. And hopefully what you're making now is impressive. But believe me, when they hear the whole picture, it's not as impressive as what they think now. Most technicians tell me when I ask them that you are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, that the company has a 25-30% net profit, they figure that you have millions in the bank, it varies by company, but these are the stories I hear. I have never once gone to a company, participated in the $100 bill exercise, and had anyone less than unimpressed. Every company had people in the room that were surprised how bad it was, even if the owner thinks it's pretty good. Now, now that you told your people what you're making, it's time to learn about cash flow. 
This is vitally important for your technicians as they will spend a good portion of their day asking people for money, right? They're homeowners. Let's go back to James. Hi, I'm James Leichter with EGIH. By now, I hope that you have seen our $100 bill exercise. And I hope you've also seen the video on how to reveal how filthy, stinking rich you are to your employees. No, I'm kidding. How to reveal how much you make to your employees. Everybody thinks they know how much you make. Hopefully by now, you have revealed to them how much you make. And if you've watched the video, you know, they're probably not all that impressed, okay? Now, one of the last things we wanna teach your employees, especially technicians, but everybody, is a little bit about cash flow. It's really important that they understand cash flow. It's important that you understand cash flow as well. But the reason why we wanna make sure that all of our employees understand cash flow is because we're inevitably going to be asking them to collect on service calls. We're going to be asking them to pick up a check when they finish the installation and that type of thing. And we want them to know why. I mean, I could tell you, I want you to collect on this service call. Why? Because I told you so. You have that right. You could do that as a parent. You can do that as a boss. But it's better to explain why before you tell them because I told you so. So the idea behind cash flow is pretty simple, really. It's how much cash is flowing in versus how much cash is flowing out. You could be a company who's losing a lot of money and you have really great cash flow. How can that be? If you're losing money, how can you have good cash flow? It just means that today we might have done a $1,000 transaction, but it cost us $1,500 to do it but somebody could have paid us $2,000 for a job we did yesterday. So we have 1,500 going out, we got 2,000 coming in, we have negative cash flow by $500. It gets more complicated than that. If you're a business person, I'm oversimplifying it, I realize that. But for your coworkers, that's all they need to know. It really just means on any given day, how much money came in organically through sales, and how much money went out. And if we had more it came in than went out, we had positive cash flow. And if we continue to have negative cash flow, then we gotta go borrow money from people. And they're gonna wanna get interest, and that increases overhead. So with that in mind, it's really important that we collect on all these service calls. It's really important that we collect on everything we can. It's really important that we initiate a change to our service agreement program. We're going to start charging people monthly instead of annually, that kind of thing. That's how you'd introduce it. But that way, they'll have more appreciation for what you're trying to do when they understand how the cash flow works. So that's really it. That's the story of cash flow. Keep in mind, this cash flow explanation is for your coworkers. It's not for a room full of CPAs. We have simplified it, but that's all that's important. They just need to understand why we make such a big deal out of collecting money, why we make such a big deal out of paying our vendors at the last possible moment. It's all to improve cash flow. Cash flow is a very important part of the $100 bill exercise and the seminar 
where you revealed how much you make and why and how that all breaks down. Now that we're on the subject of money and cash flow, it could be a good opportunity to talk about your technicians about their personal finances. This might sound a little weird at first, but giving them financial advice is the perfect opportunity to mentor your coworkers and to start to become more of a head coach at your company. Let's dive into this conversation with James Leichter. By now, I hope that you have seen our $100 bill exercise video. Hopefully you've seen the video on where you introduce your salary, your annual compensation to your coworkers. And you've also seen the video on cash flow. By now, you should have implemented those three things in your business. So in other words, you should have gone through those exercises with your employees this should have taken no less than three weeks, meaning one of these seminars for your employees per week. That's about all they can digest, but it should not have taken more than six weeks. Once those three are done, once everybody understands those concepts, now it's time to introduce personal finance seminars in your business. Now, what business is it of yours to start talking about personal finance? Is it your personal finance? No, it's theirs. And it is your business. You might have heard me say earlier, these seminars that you're conducting are a great opportunity for you owners. And you owners should be doing these. You owners should be doing these. Because this is your opportunity to mentor your coworkers, to become more of a father figure or a head coach. This is your opportunity to impart company culture and values. This is a time where they can see your passion for these things in your business. So it's really important that you owners do these things, especially when we get something, when we get into something personal like personal finance. Some of the topics could include, should your employees lease their personal car or should they buy a car? When is it a good time to lease a car versus buy a car? What is their credit score? What's a good credit score? How are credit scores calculated? Nobody knows for sure, but you know some of the basics. How to get a free credit report and find out where your credit's at. Do you have a credit card? Should you have a credit card? When should you get your first credit card? Why would you want a credit card and not a debit card? Many technicians have been listening to advice that says, you should never borrow money, you should never have a credit card, you should always pay off your vehicle in six months, or you should be a cash buyer of a vehicle. And all of that can be good advice, but it's really only good advice for the undisciplined. For those that are undisciplined, they should have a debit card. But if you have discipline, you should have a credit card. But not just any credit card, you should have a good credit card. A credit card that doubles and triples factory warranties. They exist, you know. A credit card that pays you cash back. Of course, those exist too. And if you're disciplined to use your credit card as if you would use cash in your wallet, meaning the credit card doesn't expand your buying power. It just becomes your substitute for cash. You buy a bottle of water, you buy a cup of coffee, you use a credit card. At the end of the month, you enjoy cash back. 
that's the kind of explanation you want to give them. Because again, many of them are getting advice from their parents who might not be giving them the best advice. You're a business person, they probably look up to you. They'll appreciate your advice. So get into personal finance, talk to them about these things. Talk to them about when is it a good time to buy a house? Why would you buy a house? Is it cheaper to rent? And you could run through some exercises. Talk to them about anything that you can relate to them in your own personal life. This is important. This will give you a chance to tell them about you know, the old days. When I was your age, back in 1840, now this is your chance to tell them how it was when you were younger, mistakes you've made, things that you did that were very wise, but I would encourage you to tell them about your mistakes because if you emphasize your mistakes, you make all the things that you've done right far more believable and more relatable. So start with your mistakes. What's in it for you? Why should you get into personal finance? Again, you're going to be creating a bond between your, you and your people that will last long after they've left your company. Hopefully this bond will reduce turnover. But even if they leave, they'll be better people. And that should matter to you. And I know it does. What if they become self-employed and you've taught them all about where the $100 goes and net profit and how to mark things up and personal finance and you've made them a better competitor? What would happen then? You've got a better competitor. Chances are you would have had a competitor anyway. But now you've got a competitor that knows how to make money. And that's a good competitor to have, right? So what's in it for you? A lot is in it for you. But the better they are, the happier they are, the better off your whole company is. Now that's some awesome content from James right there. I love that guy. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about this topic, I want to encourage you to sign up for the 30-day free trial by clicking join at the top of this page. This is just a small piece of the process, and you need the whole thing to make it all work. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. Join us next week. We're going to talk about how to implement ongoing education at your company and the importance of having an awesome uniform, believe it or not, right? We'll see you then. Until then, bye-bye for now.